where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Cass. And today with us, we have a guest. We have my husband, Ryan, sitting with us today, um, talking with us, doing kind of a recap of our first season on short skirts and long scripture hello everyone nice to meet you welcome to the show so yeah like she said we're gonna do a little recap before we do that i would love to ask ryan what is your history with uh christianity or religion or the church in general how were you raised uh we were raised mostly non-denominational we started at a place called the met it was a big i'm i'm from texas so it's all big big churches costco yeah it's all costco churches so the met was right in front of our house we went almost every sunday they had like the youth program was they had cool stuff like they had like science experiments and stuff like that it was like when we were little kids that they would do and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then from there, we went, one of our good family friends, we did like a little small church with them, which was cool. I got help with like my dad with like the sounds and stuff like that. My sister helped with the the Sunday school program and stuff like that. And it just kind of dissolved. I'm not really sure what happened, but everyone kind of went their separate ways. And then we went to where the Met was, a new church came in and that is called the milestone church that's what it is and through them their youth program was actually really good this is when i was in like middle school and high school and they had a wednesday program that we went to almost every week and i made a couple good buddies there and we got to go i went on their first mission trip with them down to belize and we did a mission trip down there in belize doing uh houses for foundations and stuff like that it was a it was a good time and then i joined the military and yeah, here we are today. Welcome. Welcome to today. <laughs> <laughs> what do you consider yourself now today as a religious wise? So do you consider yourself a Christian? Are you oh, yeah. not I, walking? No, I still consider myself a Christian. I've been doing a, a men's Bible study on Tuesday, which has been really cool. It's with my, my brother's friends, but we're all close friends now. It's been really eye-opening especially you know in the military we don't really a lot of the guys don't go to church i mean if you go to church you're you don't really have time for it or you don't really want to because you just you're hung over yeah or you just you just (laughs) don't like i don't know so being away from Mm -hmm. it for you know the marine corps career and then like getting back into it with a close of like close family friends is really cool so while we don't necessarily go to church he still does student like he does stuff like that churchy things mm-hmm. church-ish things yeah the fellowship <laughs> aspects of it i still suppose. involved in the sphere to some degree <laughs> yeah. yeah cool thank you okay episode one is where we talked about the origins of how cassie and i met uh why we call the cult a cult and first memories of being involved did you have any questions or comments regarding episode one i do want to know more about the name why'd you went short skirts and long scripture instead of something more i escaped a cult here's my story or something like that <laughs> because we're not that mysterious we're here spilling all the secrets <laughs> yeah but it'd be, i don't know i just thought it'd be like a and all the cool piece. ones were taken we tried Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so i mean the reason that we decided to call it short skirts and a long scripture was two basically polar opposite teachings of what we had gotten in are growing up and in this group you weren't allowed to wear short skirts it was top of the list not okay it was not going to fly it's a rebellious thing a little bit so you have your rebellious act of things that you know was totally taboo and not okay and the long scripture part usually what you were going to get reprimanded with if they caught you doing something that they deemed as undesirable in their eyes that like, or in scripture's eyes as they saw it. So 
we'll go into that a little bit. What do you mean? So, as in, like, that punishment, you would get, you'd have to read scripture? Oh, or no, get, they like, would talk to you about it. Oh, they would just scripture. talk to you about it. They, they wouldn't, like... Yes. It would be a religious intervention at that point. <laughs> so on one hand, we wanted to talk about the the taboo and the right. punishment. So we right. don't wear short skirts. And if you do something bad, like wear short skirts, you get a lot of scripture. On the other side, we also wanted to bring up this idea that short skirts are actually not evil. So we're just going to put that out there in the front of our name. Okay. And a long scripture definitely pays homage to, pays homage, homage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> homage. I think it's homage. No? Anyways, and a long scripture refers back to the book that we were taught in our religious setting. It was a scripture. It was the Bible. And it was very long. No, we didn't really know what was in it. We just knew that it was really a lot there. We were never given mm -hmm. all of the pieces of information in it. We were just, you. it was used to get us in trouble if we did something bad, or we were told what was in it, and that was the parameters for how we were to live. So mm -hmm. our name kind of okay. came out of this idea of like, we want to show the taboo, and we want to be respectful to where we came from, but we also want to talk about like, it's okay to be this way and you don't need to use scripture as this long punishment thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It's the whole idea of using religion as a punishment. That is a perfect segue to talking about episode two, which is where we had listened to the purity talks that we were given in our youth group community. And we talked about some of the red flags that we heard or remember mm -hmm having to abide by these weird rules and some strange, strange things that we were told were okay and not okay, that okay. as we later learned, other Christians thought that was just weird. So Ryan, after hearing about our Purity Talks modesty episode, did you have a perspective that you were willing to share of what rules or regulations or non-rules there were regarding modesty and purity in your youth group that you were raised with? Or any questions that you have for us about that too, because I know we've talked about some stuff that throws mm -hmm. you for a loop. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Okay, so your jean shorts yeah. that were like cholo low. Cholo low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> They were Bermuda, <laughs> kind of. They were longer than Bermuda, they, but they weren't quite capris. <laughs> yeah, they were a weird length. Well, we were we were cleaning up the the garage, kind of organizing it since we moved and everything. And she pulled out what I thought I guess they're called capris, not corduroys or no, whatever. No, they were but, shorts. Okay, capris. Right. And I was like, oh, those are kind of cool. And she goes, no, these are shorts. And I go, oh, no, those are not shorts. <laughs> those are way too long to be shorts. Like, those don't even look comfortable to be shorts. No. Like, they reminded me, I don't know if anyone out there has seen, like, those, like, three-quarter uh, goalie pants. Mm -hmm. I, used, I used to love them being a goalie. Oh, you like capris? Yeah, and, like, goalie <laughs> pants where they, like, protected my knees. Okay. <laughs> Not in, like, jean. I don't even know what they're, like. My grandma used to call them clam diggers. Oh, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I guess you guys. I guess you guys were coming for the second flood or something. Something. <laughs> yeah, what I was, was just shocked thoughts? at like the the like the thought of having to wear those all the times and not just being able to wear like shorts because shorts um, were unacceptable. Even like and basketball shorts. So basketball shorts were a weird fine line that I remember. You could wear them. But not out in public. You could wear them around a group of girls. Some girls did wear them, but it was not super socially acceptable. Um, for the most part, if you had basketball shorts, you were wearing them only around girls, only around your family, or under skirts and dresses. And I remember this was because, like, boys could wear shorts, basketball shorts. That was yeah. fine. But I remember yeah. that girls weren't not girls were not encouraged to wear basketball shorts because part of the modesty was presenting this perfect, innocent 
feminine image of a girl. So wearing shorts of any kind on a girl takes away that and immediately adds masculinity, which is not okay in this group. So wearing basketball shorts in public as a girl would be frowned upon because you are supposed to be mm -hmm. this beautiful creation that God made. And that means for this group that you're wearing a skirt or a dress. Sure. Okay. But like, what if you're doing sports or activities that you can't wear stuff for? Like soccer, if you wore a skirt in soccer, that'd be a no-go. You're losing all your modesty right there. So, Hannah, you tell me, because I think you had more experience watching soccer games, at least in this group. Were the girls that used to play soccer wearing skirts? Um, so in this group, girls didn't really play sports um, because that's not a feminine activity. But I remember the girls that did play sports... You wear your uniform, your sports uniform. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew girls that played basketball and they wore basketball shorts. I knew girls that were track kids and they wore track clothing. Like you wear whatever was required for your sport. But like mm -hmm. for dressing in the everyday, like if you come to youth oh, group, okay. you do not wear basketball shorts if you're a girl. You wear a long denim skirt. <laughs> Well, and I feel like when we were going on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, there was this unspoken rule of how you had to dress in order to be perceived a certain way or right. taken seriously too. So if you wanted to be taken seriously and you wanted to be seen as kind of, I don't know, one of the good girls or whatever for the leadership to like you or something, I'm not sure, then you needed to dress feminine. You needed to wear a dress or a skirt and you needed to present yourself a certain way that they deemed respectable absolutely because you could wear a dress or a skirt but act normal like me and you wouldn't get anywhere i think i think these people would have a heart attack if they came to my youth group that i was going to i mean you wore whatever you wore yeah. there's no like dress code or it's dress called this come way as you whatever. are yeah we accept you yeah <laughs> so i mean there was all kinds of like Okay, so like Sundays were different though. Sundays you wore like your Sunday best, right? You wore like okay. church yeah. clothes is what we call them. So like we would wear like a collared shirt and jeans. Yeah. And girls would wear whatever they wanted to wear. But, okay. you know, like a nicer dress up. But Wednesday nights was a whole different animal. Yeah. Usually you just came from like school. Sport, school. Whatever. So like, yeah, we I come from soccer practice. So I was on my soccer stuff all mm -hmm. the time. And I think this is important for us to talk about because... When somebody tells me, oh, the youth group we were part of was not a cult. And I say, can we talk about the parameters on the clothing that we were allowed to wear versus yeah. any other Christian youth group at the time did not mm -hmm. have these weird parameters? This is a red flag to me that something is yeah. correct. So that's why I wanted so, to bring that up. <laughs> just trying to dig into all this for a second. Like, where in the Bible does it, like, even mention dress? Like, how you should dress? So, there was one verse specifically that we were given as girls pertaining to the way that we should dress. And basically, the Cliff Notes version of it is don't wear your, you know, sparkly, shiny jewelry all the time. And one of the scriptures that we were given from the Bible would be 1 Timothy 2.9, which says, coming from the ESV version, Likewise, also, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire. There are several other scriptures that kind of reiterate that statement. Culturally, though, what did that mean back then because like we've stated before this was written for a completely different demographic of people well from like what i'm understanding what that says is like come to church humble that's like, that's how i kind of get it okay <laughs> what was your hot take hana <laughs> my hot take on this verse is this was written to a specific church and a group of people that were having problems with arrogance and trying to outdress each other and all this stuff. And the writer of this passage, now I understand after learning about it outside from the cult, mm -hmm. the writer of this passage is talking about 
you guys need to be humble and respectful. You're not here to show off to each other. You're here to be before like God's presence. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so more or less from my understanding, that is what this passage is referring to. When we were given this passage, it was to tell us, girls, you need to be covering as much skin as possible. Do not wear excessive jewelry because it will distract the boys. Mm -hmm. Jewelry? Jewelry was a big thing. It had to be tasteful, but minimal. I don't know if I shared this on that episode too, but um, I don't don't know if I told you this either. There was something... Stories would get shared, weird stuff would be said, and then we would all become self-conscious about it. And we'd, you know, yeah, probably take it to heart because we were afraid yep. of what would happen to us if we did. Oh, no. Right. Um, a story that got shared that a young boy watched, watched a girl put on her lipstick and was turned to lust or whatever <laughs> they said, however they said it. But literally, there was an entire group of us that were afraid to put on chapstick. In a public area, we went to the bathroom at the youth group to put on chapstick or lipstick if we it's were. True. It's, it's true. It's ridiculous. Lord. Also, why were guys giving purity talks? Why were their dads in leadership giving girls purity talks? No, 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 no. I agree with you. Oh, okay. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That just doesn't make any like any sense. Like Because it's God dads and if you're in this group the umbrella of protection goes like this god dads wives children bottom tier we read uh romans oh what did romans say uh it said that for my cliff notes edition is basically like once you've accepted jesus as your lord and savior right and you're accepted by god at that point right that you're almost you're heirs to the your your heirs of his just like jesus is mm-hmm. like you're almost on like the same level as jesus even okay. though that's what i got from it I, i'm sure that could be she's saying yes uh, i could <laughs> i could have messed that up but that's what i remember from it yeah it was no. romans 8 i don't remember what verse. it's the hierarchical tier for control and dominance i'm fairly certain but where did that all come about that had that has to be like a bygone era thing now, probably right? Do you want to tie this into the episode that we talked about, the Umbrella of Protection? Let's do it. So Romans 8, uh, I don't remember what verse. It talks about how once you've accepted, you know, the Lord as the Lord and Jesus Christ is in your heart heart and everything like that, you were heirs of the Lord. Like you're basically on like the same. You all become equals. Yeah. If we are children, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Yes, correct. What are you looking at me? We were also led to believe that we could be better than everyone else, though. Believing the things that we did and living the lives that we did, which is not good. (laughs) Women or the girls in the youth group were dressing specific ways because they wanted to be perceived a certain way. They wanted to be perceived Mm -hmm. as being pure and holy and respectable, right? Okay. Um, And then Ryan was saying in his youth group culture, you just come as you are. And that was not a main detail was like purity talks regarding modesty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Ryan, did you ever have purity talks given in your youth group or your church community? Yeah, we actually had a big, it was like a big camp, actually, we went to. It was called Battle of the Sexes that we used to go to. Okay, here, um, here's my big question before you go on to that. Because this was a huge thing for us. Did they talk to you guys all in the same group, like guys and girls together, or did they split you guys off? We had both. Oh, so you would come go, together yeah, and then you'd back split off? Yeah. I wish we would have had that at least. Yeah, and then we would have, like, throughout the day, we'd have, like, challenges that we could do. That was, like, boys versus girls. Mm, okay. It was fun. It was, like, Girl actually, the sexes. yeah, it was actually, like, at a, <laughs> a big camp, and you stayed in the cabin, and you had, like, you know, your camp counselor or whatever, and you'd have, like, small group at the end of the night with your, like, cabin mates. Mm-hmm. So, topic-wise, though, is there any topics that you remember being discussed? Yeah, so, like, when the boys split away, there was, like, you know, the, the porn and masturbation and stuff like that talks. And there was like, you know, the whole, you know, you shouldn't lust after women thing, but like women are essential to life. 
yes, yes, we are. Yeah. Without <laughs> yeah. us, you'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it was never like demeaning to women, I guess would be the best way to think. It was always like, don't lust after women, but enjoy women. Like they're supposed to like, they're there as to be your equal in marriage. Like they're there to like hold, like you need two, two people to like hold something together. Mm-hmm. You can't just be yourself and this or that. So they weren't telling you that you need to stay pure and get married as soon as possible? It was more of like a, yeah, it was talking about purity and staying pure. And, you know, like you, you should wait till you get married or whatever. But it's mostly like. Sounds like they were mostly trying to help you guys treat each other better respectfully yeah so let's bring in the purity culture episode as we talked about in the episode the most important thing that was always reiterated to us as children and young people and teenagers was don't have sex and that makes you pure mm-hmm. and i think you hit it on the nail on the head Hana, when i was talking about you're talking about like sexual purity but there's like spiritual purity as well yeah Mm-hmm. And like I heard some examples, like they had wad up a piece of paper and like oh, unwad the piece of paper and stuff like that. It's like that does nothing. I want to know why girls though were the only ones being like targeted. That was targeted the or used, used as an example. Girls. Yeah. Why weren't the guys being? Why can't the guys be a wadded up piece of paper, a half eaten bar of chocolate? Whoa. Why is whoa. it only us? <laughs> why can't you guys have some of this shit on you too? Huh? I love you, by the way. <laughs> first of all base baseline question ryan were you raised in i'm gonna use the terminology toxic purity culture where it was always harped on don't have sex and then you will be pure your virginity is on the highest pedestal um mm-hmm. we don't date because that could lead to sex and that's the worst thing you could do as a teen like were you raised in that kind of culture or what did your purity culture look like mm, no not not at all were your parents like not afraid to have those conversations in the house they weren't not afraid to have those conversations we just didn't have those conversations very much because we didn't like those conversations because they're awkward and weird so you talk to your friends and got bad information instead? Yes. Oh, exactly. Bad idea, friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was by no means like fire and brimstone, like don't have sex. You're going you'll, to hell. You'll get pregnant and die. That's what I got told. <laughs> Isn't that from a movie? I don't know. My dad always thought I was gonna get pregnant at thirteen and that was gonna be the end of my life though, so <laughs> That's insane i beat teen pregnancy like that's insane at 13 what is that we don't even know what to do virginity and sex education something that you learned from your youth group no sex wasn't very talked about in our youth group it was all like the only time we really ever talked about it was at that battle of the sexes thing i was talking about otherwise it was all like basic scripture and like going through like different discussions of like, you know, going through school, like this is Mm -hmm. how the Bible could help you with the situation in school or stuff like that. Okay. We barely, barely ever like sex Sex talks. That was all like school stuff. Like we had like a sex ed class. Where you learned about sex Mm. and sexuality and yeah, your parts, your parts, your parts. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we were, we had to watch the whole, giving birth thing like the start of sex ed in like fifth grade okay let's talk about your experience as a public schooler okay so like like what do you want to know Hannah? okay so cassie and i talked about all all of our experience like with homeschooling versus public schooling first of all were you homeschooled or public schooled and how do you think that affected your faith i don't know if it necessarily affected my faith in any way shape or form if anything it could have been like a like a net positive because all my friends went to church and because all my friends went to church i wanted to go to church Mm -hmm. right so it was almost like the the sheep theory right you were following Mm -hmm. yeah so like it brought me closer to god i mean through that i got to go on that mission trip right it took you to church it took me to church Mm -hmm. you know i was invested in the bible more and i was you were learning about the bible yeah yeah so i i don't think it was one way or the other like Mm -hmm. with that but i think it definitely brought me closer at that time i want to bring up some points from our christian fundamentalist episode where we walked through 
like signs that you're in a Christian fundamentalist church. And then we talked about some of the extreme fundamentalist programs and things that we were taught, like Bill Gothard was in there. The pearls were in there. In our Christian fundamentalist episode, we kind of addressed this idea that we weren't really allowed to ask questions in our community. Who had a, whatever man was in charge of the community told us all of the information that we were allowed to know and have. Mm -hmm. And we were told things like everyone else out there is wrong and trying to get us. We were taught to be afraid all the time. Well, we weren't taught to be afraid. We were afraid all the time. Because the we were afraid we would lose our salvation if we did something wrong. We were afraid that whoever was the them in a scenario was trying to get us. We were told it's us against them all the time. Mm -hmm. We were told we're being persecuted in our faith. Every other Christian probably has it wrong, according to this group that we were in. We were told we were better than everyone because we were a Christian. We were told we were better than every other Christian because we were in this group. Okay, I did listen to this episode a couple days ago, and I had a ton of... I totally forgot to ask you these questions. Oh, yeah. Um, ask away. Coming from that mindset, right? Like, why did they think you were superior Christians? It's the best way to answer this. I don't think that they were necessarily trying to read us into these superior christians or whatever but coming from that group and i think getting a lot of the um small group instruction from the older kids too i think kind of made us feel like we had an inflated sense of ego because we were being pulled into all these different roles too and we were being told that when you go out into the world you know be in the world but not of the world and all of that stuff and you need to be acting a certain way and being a certain way to, you know, show people God. And somehow that got translated to us. Everything that we were taught was you need to be the example. So you need to be better than the world so that when you go out, they all know it. One specific example that I can bring up is a particular sermon from one of the churches we attended while well, part of this group the pastor was kind of talking about this idea that, you know, Christians should be recognizable in the world. That's mm -hmm. fine. The Bible talks about this. You are to be the light on a hill. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. But then he takes it a step further and we go into the cult territory, which is why we say cult. And he tells us that because you're a Christian, you are perfect now. Yeah, you are the cream that. of the crop. You are the best. Like you are perfect. Go out and act that way. And I don't remember if it was presented to us in a way that was supposed to be an encouragement. Like you can do it. You're really good. You're okay. You've been saved. Mm -hmm. But I interpreted it and several other kids that I've talked to have definitely interpreted it that it made us think, oh, I'm perfect now. Everyone else is beneath me. <laughs> so that's how it came yeah. across to a lot of us. And that's why one of our unlearning we talked about in the deconstruction episode was realizing I'm actually not the king of the world and I need to be more humble and respectful of everyone else. Uh, with, I mean, the inflated sense of ego was ridiculous because I remember being, you know, freshman in high school or whatever, going out and doing my outreach programs, just going, I'm superior human being, better than the rest of them. They're just sad, lowly little people that need my help. <laughs> and that was not the case. I could help them without being, feeling like I was better than them helping them. You don't need that. We had a bit of a white savior complex going on with our mission trips. Oh, yeah. That confuses me. Because, like, I don't understand how they get that. It's the right word for that. Interpretation. Because, like, even, you know, in the Bible study, we went through John, right? Yeah. And there's that moment when uh, Jesus, are, he's being, like, questioned by the, the Pharisees mm -hmm. about, you know, the woman that has 
committed adultery or whatever. She gets dragged into the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, Jesus is like, hey, if you if you've not committed a sin, then you can cast this stone, right? Mm-hmm. And like everyone kind of gets up and walks away. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not gonna throw a stone, so you're good, right? So like, how do they interpret it? That because you are saved and you're in this group, that you're now able to cast that stone, per se, if that makes sense. Like, from the punishment side of it. That's a great question. The reason that I don't think we have a good answer for you is because mm-hmm. there is not a good answer to this question. Yeah. yeah. Which is there's, a sign that this is not something biblical, but it was t- like something from scripture was taken and twisted that's where the red flag is. It was twisted to mean something that it did not mean or is not true. And so <laughs> it's important, I think, to realize that's a problematic teaching. If you have to ask, right. where does that idea come from? There is not a response that shows you but, it's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you guys were also like reprimanded for even asking that question. So if it wasn't by the leadership, which we basically at that point didn't even dare ask any questions to them. We were asking questions to our older peers who we thought knew better right? or our small group leaders who, of course, we thought knew better. Um, and they didn't have any real good answers for us either. And they were just kind of taking cheap shots sometimes, I feel, too, with it. <clears throat> so... It was just bad information being shared all around. Yeah, the no question thing drives me nuts. Because, like, then how are you supposed to interpret it for yourself? Because that's, I mean, you yeah. tried your best, or you just moved along. And I might, and I might be misquoting something here again, but doesn't even like Jesus say that, like, hey, there's there's like church, and that's good and dandy and all, mm-hmm. but your relationship with me. Like, that's why you read the Bible. Like, on your own time? Not necessarily on your own time, but, like, like you interpret the Bible for yourself, if that makes sense. But that's why we have, like, the whole fellowship and not staying in your own echo chamber. Because when you're reading it by yourself, one, you're going to have questions. Two, things well, might be taken ask, out of context because you don't have all the information that maybe somebody else has. Right, but you can't ask questions, so. No. A couple things that I would comment on regarding this is, first of all, I remember being told, specifically, you have to make your relationship with Jesus your own. It can't be your parents. Mm -hmm. But I also remember hearing and being reiterated to us. How do I explain this? When you're in a cult, the leadership tells you what you can believe. And they don't tell you that you can ask questions. So first of all, we didn't know that we were allowed to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And if we ever had a thought and we wanted to check on that and we wanted to ask a question, as Cass has said before on several episodes, you don't get to have a response. Like your response is, oh, we, you don't need to know that yet. Or, oh, this is some convoluted interpretation of a scripture that kind of pertains to what you were saying now go away. Or, oh, if you are asking questions, your salvation is an issue and you may not actually be saved. That's the response that was given if you presented a curious nature of any kind. Or they would pray for you for having a spirit of doubt. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's wild. <laughs> the, I mean, so fear was a huge thing. It covered was- the entire aspect kind of still is you know hanging out now well it's like her control yeah it's a control thing yeah it's exactly what it was whether they meant it to be that way or not or they were just taking this like drastically old school stance on like the roles of men women children in the church and whatever this is what it turned out to be which I think it the the whole roles thing I think is weird too, right? Yeah. Sure, this is just my my quick hot take on it. The whole aspect of the whole like the women aren't important in church and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, they are just an aspect, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of children and teaching Sunday school. Right, which I think is wrong, right? Okay. 
I think one of the most cool, important showing things that shows how important women are in the Bible is literally the first person Jesus sees comes back to see after he's resurrected. For, I can't even talk right now. Resurrected, resurrected is Mary he's Magdalene. Dyslexic, don't worry. So, like, doesn't that show the huge importance of like women in the church or like women in general to the Lord? Yeah, is like he. That's the first person he saw. Okay, but growing up in this Christian community, we were shown the lane that you're supposed to be in as a woman and the lane that you're supposed to be in as a man. And we were heavily, heavily encouraged to stay in that lane. Mm -hmm. Because if you stay in that lane, you get praised real good. If you are a girl and you are always teaching Sunday school, because you're supposed to be able to work with kids, you are like, wow, their daughter is amazing. She teaches Sunday school. If you are a girl and you find a husband and you get married, wow, look at her being an amazing wife. And, and now she's a mother because the next step immediately is you need to be a mother if you're a girl. Okay. This is the lane that girls get. It, guys, Cass, do you want to talk about guys? Roll. Besides stacking chairs after church. Um, right. Hey. <laughs> hey. So, I mean, the guy's role in church was to be learning and growing biblically so that when you get married, which is your goal as a guy, after, you know, getting a job and an education and a house, because don't go shopping with empty pockets, guys, becoming this basically spiritual leader. So that you're able to lead your family as the head of the household. The head of the household was this phrase that got thrown around, I swear to God, every Sunday. And it is the most important job for a man. Well, it just that's contradictory. contradictory. <laughs> this whole thing about the head of the household, I want to say, is it okay for a man to be the head of the household, meaning they lead their family spiritually. That is a godly yes. concept, actually. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that in my marriage. <laughs> okay. The way that we were taught is that plus or that but. Okay. So they yeah. take something from scripture and then they tell us, okay, the man is the head of the household. He's the spiritual leader. Awesome. Now add to that. Because he's the spiritual leader, the woman doesn't talk in church. The woman does not have a godly opinion of her own. She follows always what her husband says. And her husband is the end-all be-all. And there's not really space for any kind of discussion or growth together. It's always mm -hmm. the man is in charge of everything. And the yeah. woman follows underneath that. Because that's her role. That's what we were raised to yeah. believe. Now again, though, reminder, in the youth group and in this church that we went to, this was not everyone. We did have a few women that would speak out in church. It was not usually to the pleasure of the leadership. Um, but they did. More power to them. God bless. Um, this, again, was not everyone. And this probably was some really old school thinking by a decent percentage of both groups. So with that, with that being kind of an uneven amount of, I don't know why we're doing this and this is just what we've always done and it's tradition and kind of fundamentalism. <laughs> there was some rifts and disagreements mm -hmm. and leadership kind of coming in and taking over because, you know, we have mm -hmm. to keep the standard. We can't change mm -hmm. anything because this is who we are. <laughs> Ryan, how do you recall any kind of roles for men and women taught in your youth group or your church community growing up? So your dad growing up supported the family, but also him and your mom were able to kind of be on equal ground Yeah. to discuss problems yeah. or make decisions right stuff like that right okay and as far as like the church aspect of it i mean everything was all together there was not like you don't remember being there there was kind of separation there was no roles that couldn't be fulfilled by one person or the other 
like our worship group was everyone could like go try out for it and be the leader or not be the leader and you could play this instrument or this instrument it didn't matter Mm. what it was just trying out to see if you're good enough to get on it first tryouts yeah yeah okay how was leadership elected chosen they were there since the beginning put forth since the beginning so okay when Cass and i joined this youth group right there was already like a leadership group in place Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember a lot about new leaders coming in or out while I attended. That was except after our time. For, yes. Except for towards the end of our time in the youth group, several families tried to become part of leadership. And mm-hmm. I remember knowing that if these families did not fully agree and were on board with what had already been set up, that they were denied access to positions of leadership in this church, in the youth group, within this Christian community. Might sound like it's okay if you don't agree with what's there, you shouldn't be in charge. However, that means that the men in charge, their opinions were the boundaries and the rules and the regulations and everything. And there was no availability for new information Mm-hmm. For updating anything, for adjusting any amendments, <laughs> no amendment space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing little bits and pieces for like qualifications for leadership too. When they were like trying to bring in some new people or whatever, essentially you had to have you had to have your family under control. Is what I remember hearing. And if you didn't have your family under control, like kind of on a tight leash or whatever, however they wanted to say it, if your children weren't like undyingly obedient to you and didn't ask questions or cause problems and stir the pot and lick the spoon, then you could not be considered. And they pulled a scripture for that too. And I, do you know which one it is? Because I don't remember. Pull it up. <laughs> I do. It's in First yes. Timothy again, where Fabulous. Timothy was writing to... <laughs> Where, where the author is writing to a specific group of people, not to our youth group. Anyways, the scripture <laughs> that they would pull for this was a scripture in 1 Timothy 3, where it talks about the qualifications for an elder. An mm-hmm. elder is a specific position in leadership of a church, just in general. Um, the scripture says specifically he must manage his own household well with all dignity keeping his children submissive and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect that is the scripture that was given so again that is for a specific position in in leadership for a church written to a specific group of people will you reread that last part He has to do it in a way of respect or something like that? He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Doesn't that contradict all the leaders? Contradict all the leadership thing if they kind of ruled by fear? Yeah, but they were managing their families perfectly, literally. Through fear. Okay. Okay, so the only thing that I will say about this is what I remember from being a part of this group, the men that were in leadership, their families, we were to look at as like the best examples of how to behave and how to live. The perfect godly family. Mm -hmm. They were the examples for everyone else in the group to look up to and try to be like their family. Because parents would use these leadership kids as examples i got those used doesn't that go against like the whole thing of being not of this earth right you're not supposed to look at other families right you're supposed to look at the lord like we're not supposed to be of this earth and that go against that whole teaching again when you are in a christian cult you are that you are it so okay. anyone outside of you is the others. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so like there's that, that, us versus the world. Right. You know, Scott so like, Pilgrim, we are Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> so like that thought would have been like, 
hey, that's doubtful. Like you're you're losing your yeah. doubting. Right Why now. are you asking this question? That's not what that means. Read it again. I'll tell you. <laughs> or they would bring up other scriptures to try to counteract this thought that you're having. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> so quick hot take. Quick hot take. What did your families think of the golden compass? Mm-hmm. Do you know about that one? What's the golden compass? Okay, so I got this hot <laughs> hot take on that. I was still in public school and going to a different church when that book was written and the movie came out. The church that we were going to and families that were in it had all talked and they're like, oh, I won't let my kids watch it. It was written by an atheist or the movie is, you know, promoting Satanism or turning away from God or some shit, which not what it was about. The guy who wrote the book, yes, was a non-believer, but he didn't put anything like that in the book or the movie. I'm like, that's the problem. Yeah, I was just curious because my family... Were you that's, guys not allowed to watch it? That's when we were in that the little church. But you could watch Narnia, but not so. Okay, so Ooh. Lord of the Rings versus Harry Potter, the Golden Compass versus Narnia. That was the whole thing there. Yeah. Were you allowed to watch the Golden Compass? No, but we watched. Were the you allowed Narnia. to watch Narnia? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Why? 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 What was the reasoning? I couldn't tell you. We just watched Narnia. Okay, Narnia was you know so written by think- a Christian and had re- like christian themes in it i think that's what i'm looking for (laughs) so that one was okay because we could like relate it back to like oh aslan sacrificing himself on the table is like jesus dying for his sins on the cross kind of thing but the golden compass written by an atheist immediate write off done (laughs) doesn't matter what it's about if it's a great story with a fantasy theme done throw it out (laughs) i was just curious on like quick hot take oh yeah that was going over the media thing. Let's mm-hmm. see what else can I touch on real quick? I, I'm not familiar with the Golden Compass. I, I assume it was probably banned in my household, like Harry Potter. <laughs> probably. So I have a hot take for you on music, though. Okay. You were allowed to listen to a lot more music just because you had availability to it. Yeah. And you were in public school, so you guys had the sharing of music. We, do you remember sharing music in the cult, Hana? We didn't Unless share music. Unless it was a new worship hymn. Or something. We didn't share chorus. music. A worship yes. chorus. It didn't go around. <laughs> so you had a very different upbringing in regards to music. Like you have listened to music that I didn't get to experience until I was out of the cult. Right. <laughs> we just had very different upbringings with that. Like you actually got to listen to music. Was there music that maybe in your household you weren't allowed to listen to? I couldn't listen to anything with cuss words in it for a really long time. So no explicit. No explicit. Wow, it had to be the clean stuff. versions of the song. Shame. I think the question no. you're looking for is what were the boundaries you were given in your entertainment? <laughs> there you go. That's the what one. What were the boundaries that you were given in your yeah. entertainment, Ryan? It was mostly like explicit stuff. Like I kind of did the whole age bracket thing with movies unless it was like movies we could watch like Top Gun. We were watching that as little kids. Yeah. Because it's a good movie. It's Top Gun. Yeah, it's Top Gun. And like, it, if it was anything over like a certain rating, mom and dad would watch it before we could watch it. So like, like Shooter, for instance, we watched Shooter 2 when we were younger, but it's an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a clear play for that? What? <laughs> Need to finish the rest of that episode. <laughs> A clear play? Yeah. Okay, I guess I must have skipped over that. Okay, refresher course. Clear play was a console, basically. It looked like a VHS player that you could put in parameters for specific movies that you wanted to watch of what you wanted to clear out. Cuss words, nudity, gang-related themes, the mafia. Literally anything that your family would have deemed inappropriate. They have like a. Is this like a DVD uh, thing or is it a VHS? Yeah, it's a DVD. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So it, it was pre programmed. They have a digital basically. version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they so now have a digital just... version. Like you can go online to their website and pick which movie you want to watch that's been cleaned of all of the inappropriate, bad themes that you don't mm-hmm. want to watch. Yeah, so, so violence, like, shooting. If the guys wanted to watch something 
as a group, my favorite example is, I think we mentioned this in the episode. I don't remember. My favorite example is the guys of the youth group, like all wanted to get together and they wanted to watch 300 because they were like manly men, Spartans. Okay. Well, they were only allowed to watch it if they watched it on a clear plate. Right. It made the movie like 20 minutes long. Minus all of the oh, know, really gory violence, all of, yeah. gory, oh my God. all of the swearing, female all the nudity, nudity. <laughs> all the sex scenes, because there's it's a few. Like, so it sounds minutes. like a good idea, wow. but it's very impractical if you're trying to watch something. Because like at that point, I think we said this in the episode too. If you're gonna, if you want to cut out that much of the film, just don't, don't watch, watch the film. <laughs> yeah. Why are you watching yeah. it? Yeah. I remember the guys would also get together and watch Braveheart a lot with the clear play, and they had to. I know yeah, there was a lose few. So much I know there was a few nudity yeah. scenes, and I'm like, that's kind of important to the movie, though. Like, it gives you like good information. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I never heard of the clear play. Oh yeah. We just if it had mom and dad would look at it and be like, no, you're not watching that. <laughs> See, that's, that's probably how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a parental clear play yeah. right there. <laughs> Let's switch gears real fast because I know you've mentioned before uh, that you were part of a group that did mission trips and we were yeah. also part of a group that did mission trips. Can you tell us about your mission trips? Yeah, we just did we just did one mission trip. It was down in Belize. Uh, I was in uh, You looked like you were probably in middle school. No, I think I was a sophomore. Really? Or freshman, oh. freshman to sophomore. As freshman, I was a freshman. Okay. Um, we went down to Belize. Uh, we built two full like house foundations with like our bare hands, which was nuts because it was. There's some pictures of me. I'm like my shirt is drenched in sweat, but so we would do that. We would like for the mornings we would like help build the foundations and everything. We would go back to our hotel thing we were staying at we'd have like a small group and kind of talk about what we did today and then there there was a couple days throughout the week we would go which i thought was kind of nuts they just had all these kids walking through belize we would just walk through belize and you know hey do you want us to pray over you we met with like another church that's down in belize Mm -hmm. and like you know had a big you know we called it a festival but like you know walk through the the streets with this other with this belize church and did a like prayed over people and stuff like that mm-hmm. it was it was really interesting that's why i have the scars got hit in the head with a shovel mixing concrete yeah i was super scared because like oh, i'm gonna die now and then i thought i had a bot fly in my knee when i came back because oh they're in yeah it was it was intense you poor little thing <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one thing that you just mentioned that I really love, because I don't remember doing this on any of the mission trips that we did, is you mentioned that you worked with the people that were already there that were believers. Yeah. To then minister to the people that were there, right? Right. Okay, I don't remember ever doing that in any of the outreach programs that we did or any of the mission trips. This is where I have another problem with the ministries that we were doing is it would be our group and we were there to serve and help and be the saviors. Mm-hmm. There, there was a program that I remember hearing about that one of the pastors and some of the family members and some of the other leadership were part of where they went to another country and they worked with and they taught the people that lived there about Christianity and about mm-hmm. godly things. But I don't remember ever being part of that as one of the youth group kids. We were always told, okay, you're the leader. You're the best. Go bring Jesus to these poor, desperate souls. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that was our mindset is everywhere we went, oh, we are basically God to these people. And we have to show them the truth. That was what yeah. our mission trips look like in my mind. Pretty much on it right there. That's wild again well it puts a lot of pressure on kids too well not only puts a lot of pressure that's like a we're not ego that's like an ego bomb to your brain yeah you think that as a kid especially if you're any of the guys yeah if you think that as a kid that's like an like ego brain destroyer Mm -hmm. like you you must yeah i understand why there's this like 
yeah, I'm God kind of aspect to it at this point. Holier than thou is what I like to call it. So there was these unspoken levels of spirituality, I want to say, I guess, um, when it came to the kids. Okay. Um, the leadership was top tier. Then there was, you know, it trickled down the line, the kids who were kind of associated with them, but not really with them. Um, and then, you know, those of us on the bottom tier that, you know, kept clawing our way, trying to get back up and got kicked down every single chance they could get. And the the older, <laughs> more spiritual kids definitely were looked at um, as kind of having... Having it together, having all the answers. Okay. Yeah. If you were going to go on a mission trip, you wanted to go with leadership's kids. Yeah. Because right. they had all the answers. They were your example. And I mean, not only is that so much pressure for the leadership kids. Yeah. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be in a leadership family and be being told, you're the example. Shape up. Do your best. Be your best. Leadership kids were not shown in a light that was negative ever. No, but I mean, like he just said, a lot of those families and groups of kids that we saw as being kind of like this almost like perfection pedestal kind of thing were kind, they were, they were programmed essentially from a very young age of this is how you act. This is what you do. If you're not around a bunch of kids that have meltdowns in front of their parents, guess what you never learn is okay to have a meltdown and ask questions. Okay. For deconstruction part one, you haven't listened to that one yet. No, Did I have not. Do you have any thoughts about your own unpacking journey? Do you want to finish this off with what that looks like for you? Do you feel like you had a deconstruction journey? I think I did a little bit. Okay. During that mission trip, right? Mm -hmm. One of the leaders, I was sitting there and I was talking to him about it. And this is, so I was sitting there talking to him about it because I really liked the dude. Mm -hmm. uh, his name was Ortiz. He's a cool guy. And we were sitting there talking about it. And he said something that really just, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way or something. And I don't know why he said this because it was totally off the wall. And he was like, yeah, all these, you know, Muslims are going straight to hell and everything like that. And I was like, oh, all right, that's that's something you can say. But don't they, you know, still have the chance to, you know, be saved and everything like that? He's like, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like, what's the whole, like, core aspect of being a Christian? It's just kind of being a good person, right? For the most part, you know, in, in, in my belief system, right? If you're just going to say that about a whole nother religion, like, oh, straight to hell. They're unsavable at this point. Straight to hell. Like, what's what's the point mm. of that? What's the point to not try to give people a chance? Give them a shot. So it just really messed with my mind to be like, is that what we need to be as Christians? Just, oh, hey, you don't believe what I believe. Straight to hell. Mm -hmm. So it really just meant with, like, made me start having to dissect everything a lot more for myself than just taking everything at face value. Okay. Yeah. Comments were made. Yeah. Made you kind of dig a little bit deeper on what does it actually yeah, mean. It just cause like that, you know, growing up in like my family and everything like that, it's always just, you know, be good to people. Don't mm -hmm. treat people how you want to be treated. Like don't be a, a jerk to people and everything should work out for the best. Yeah. And just saying somebody's going straight to hell to my brain just didn't it didn't click. Mm -hmm. It didn't like work out the way I believe he was trying to go for. And so it really just made me like almost like take a step back and be like, whoa, is this what we're supposed to be doing as Christians? Are we just sending people straight to hell? Mm -hmm. So it really made me like take a step and be like, whoa, what's going on here? What are we what are we actually believing in nowadays? Okay. So yeah, I guess maybe a little bit of like deconstruction if that's what deconstruction is. Thank you for talking with us today, Ryan. Any final thoughts? Questions, no? comments? I mean, you guys are killing it. You guys are killing it. That's about it. Thanks. <laughs> yes, do our outro. Thanks for listening today, friends. Um, as always, um, thank you for listening. If you ever want to share your story, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at our website, shortskirtslongscripture.com, short or you can 
um, meet up with us on Instagram at Skirts and Scripture or send us an email as always, skirtsandscripture at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you guys. Well, you formulate your cloud. Yeah, the cloud has to form. <laughs> it's becoming a, a cumulus cloud right now. <laughs>